Welcome to Freelance Bristol Mum. Now, I'm sure you've gathered over the last few weeks that I've lived in Bristol all my life and media is the thing that's sort of run through my veins pretty much since my childhood. So you can imagine my surprise when not so long ago I discovered that just down the road, literally not even a mile away from me, uh, is pretty much, I think we could say, Bristol's own Pinewood Studios. It used to be Harvey's Bristol Cream, something I've driven past well, hundreds and thousands of times. And now it is the Southwest's largest dedicated production site. And as I said, it used to be Harvey's Bristol Cream. It was not lost on me that wine and media should now be going hand in hand. I met up with the production and site manager, Fiona Frankham, who gave me a guided tour of the place. We met just as Noel's deal or no deal had been announced that it was coming to the bottle yard and there was something of a buzz about the place. We started our tour in Tank 2, an enormous space. And Fiona told me what it was like when she first visited. The first time I saw it, it had floor-to-ceiling tanks. There were about 24 tanks in here, I think. And when they were pulled out... Um, there were left 24 sort of discs in the, on the floor which was um, underpinned concrete because of the weight of the liquid. So we couldn't use this for the first 18 months or so. And it wasn't until we had a feature film called Mariah Mundy who expressed an interest in coming here at the beginning of last year, 20, 2012. Um, and they said, we'll come, but you have to sort your floors out because we need to build sets. Um, that we managed to get some money together and level the floors we put the screen in for them um, and they were here very happily um, but we don't have soundproofing it's very quiet um, but it would be great if we had proper soundproofing and the columns down the middle there are six columns that go down the middle it would be great if we could get those out some production companies just go with it and don't worry about it and others feel that they're just too you know too much in the way that they can't use it Um, So it would help us hugely because then we could get things like game shows in here and using camera cranes and things like that. So at the moment it is really, you know, you have to hope that um, production companies will be able to use it as it is. If not, then um, we lose them, which is a real shame. You mentioned game shows and it's fantastic news that Deal or No Deal is coming here. When when does that get started? Um, they are building their environment at the moment. We're going to have a look at that very briefly. And they start recording middle of October, so about a month away. And it's that stage, I suppose, people have it when they... When they do their houses up don't they you think it's you can never envisage envisage it actually coming back together again and being normal and it's at that stage where I think it just looks like it's never ever going to come together but it will and you know it will it has to um so I think the production team move over from paintworks next week or the week after so you can hear as we're talking the acoustics bouncing around Mm. can't you and you've already mentioned soundproofing Mm. how do they get around that it's a lot of duvets to be pinning on walls (laughs) it's more it's amazing when you have a set in here you have a box within a box and if they put ceiling pieces on the set obviously it encloses the sound it's not it's not great um, but hanging black material can help a lot. You can do quite a lot to sort of help it. It will never go away. And actually, it's that reverberation that is the thing that we need to solve. I think it's got something like a seven-second reverb on it at the moment, which is just awful. <laughs> um, we have got a solution. It's just we just need the money. You know, we just need the money to do it. Um, we will get there. And it's amazing how resilient productions can be. 
more so television than feature. I think feature like to have control of everything. Um, television seems to be a little bit more adaptable and able to cope with their surroundings. And they haven't got the budgets, so they do have to make do with converted industrial space like this. So we walk and talk? Mm. We're, going to, we're actually going to go um, back out and um, we'll show you the rest of the site. Um, we've got 300,000 square feet of buildings and a lot of exteriors as well. So we do try to get um, you know, a real mixture of exterior filming as well as, as, well as interior. Uh, and we have a project at the moment that we're trying to lure in, um, which hopefully will use a lot of the exteriors too. I mean, it's a huge space. It is just crying out to be used. Tell me, what was it like when you discovered it? Oh, it was like... Um, I, I don't know. It was, it was, a, it was suddenly realising that Bristol has got somewhere that could be an ongoing production base. You know, it could be somewhere that was, is, is, can establish itself as an answer to all those studios in London when they're full, but also for productions who want to be based out here, who don't want to go through commercial leases and all the difficulty with that and the expense and everything else, that it is really like a hotel for production companies. They come in, they do what they need to do, and they go away again. Um, it, it was it was just a, a sort of hallelujah, eureka moment, mm-hmm. really, for me, after you know years of having to work in all sorts of grotty warehouses you know it was just a the most amazing amazing feeling to see it I mean, it's almost like an airplane hangar that's the closest thing I can explain it to mm. the space is just enormous yes I mean tank house 2 was is 17,000 square feet 27 feet high um, you know it does it offers it offers production teams so much and uh and it's all controlled and, you know, in a very sympathetic environment. So they're not, they're not having to set it all up on their own. It's all here for them. Yeah. So we're just walking down to the main warehouse at the moment, which is 200,000 square feet, um, which is broken up into all sorts of little, little different areas. Um, and it's within this big warehouse that Deal or No Deal are building at the moment. We won't be able to go in, but we can at least see from the doorway almost what they're creating um we've got other tank houses here tank house three which is 90 feet high um that's where there were floor-to-ceiling tanks that were fermenting harvey's bristol cream sherry uh there's an amazing statistics that there was something like 30 million liters of alcohol on site (laughs) when when it was in full production which probably sits quite well with the media industry (laughs) (laughs) the irony was not lost on me actually (laughs) um and we have just here we've got um setsmith who are a set construction business they moved in about two months ago and already have got quite a lot of work from companies coming into site onto site they build the sets and you know obviously it keeps the cost down because they haven't got the transport costs um you know just time spent with the production team and the construction manager it's all happens on site there's no having to drive for 40 minutes to get to a meeting and you know decisions can be made very quickly um so it works really really well um we've got production offices here at the moment we've got um a team from company productions who company are great fans of bristol they made skins here as well and they're making a new drama called new worlds for channel four um, so they're in at the moment. Um, they've got another three weeks shooting to go, I think. And then we'll just go into the main warehouse and see. Okay. 
Demon Lady. Now, this is quite exciting, isn't it? Is this something that had been in the pipeline for some time? Demon Lady? Yeah. yeah it's taken, it took a long time to negotiate. They, they needed to know that there was no, there was no chance for, that they could stay at um, Paintworks. Um, and consequently, the way that the deal at Paintworks had happened with Press Nicholson and the redevelopment, it, you know, that all takes time. Then the BBC having to talk to Endemol about moving, you know, it, it was a very long process. It was probably about eight months from start to finish, which was fairly nail biting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you have that fantastic day when the paperwork signed and and the sort of vans pull in the next Monday, and Aww. you know, you really feel that you've um, you've got something quite special, and, and it will be quite special to have it here. It's such a such a Bristol show, isn't it? It's uh, oh, it's a real proud boast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fantastic. I can see the smile on your face now as you say it. <laughs> yeah. oh, I expect you were chuffed a bit that day. Yeah. yeah, no, it was brilliant. So, we have here. Um, an enormous space. We're going to have to pick our way through. There's a lot of technical equipment that's come up from paintworks that's waiting to be fitted out or they're cabling for for everything. And of course, Deal or No Deal create the whole environment here. So they have the studio. They also have um, post-production here, costume, makeup. You know, absolutely everything is in one place. So um, that's the art department in front. We can't go any further because it's still technically a building site. Um, but ahead of us is the studio. You can see the lighting grid being um, constructed. Obviously, the grid's constructed. They're hanging the lights now. And then that'll be winched up to 20 feet, 25 feet above the studio. Um, and they'll light um, from above. And then to our left is production offices all the audience and contestant holding areas and that sort of thing and to the right is all the production and post-production areas uh, and beyond costume and makeup rooms and Noel's dressing room which is up top with a lovely view of Hengrove Park which apparently he didn't get at Paintworks he's got a very nice view out of his window so that should be nice for him I hope and when does filming set to start middle of October um four shows a day wow so we're putting quite a lot of infrastructure in. Obviously, we have audience, which we're, we haven't had before. We've only had dramas here, which haven't needed a live audience. So we've, we're putting in a new entrance at the rear of the site to cope with the audience. And there is a new walkway going along the back of the building so they can be completely self-contained. You know, we've obviously... It's great to have them here, but we've also got to think about making sure that all the other spaces work and are let. And, you know, we can't have members of the public potentially walking past major stars who are filming in the other tank houses so we do have to keep them a little bit separate and be aware of how the site flows and works and um, you know this is a lovely lovely project to have in and then we'll have lovely I hope great dramas coming in as well. And what about catering? There's a lot of uh, hungry mouths you're going to have as well. (laughs) Yeah well deal or no deal bring their own caterers when they're filming. Um, When they don't we we have uh, a little coffee cart that turns up at quarter to 11 every morning uh, with sandwiches and things. So we do try and cater. I mean, that's obviously another thing that we would just love to have is, is you know, proper canteen facilities on site. And um, I'm sure, again, one day that will happen. The demand will be there. and we'll We have a lot of... We have so much space that we have a lot of set storage here. We've got... Um, one of the sets is a show called The Cafe, which filmed on Western Supermare oh, Seafront. Yes. 
Um, so we're just Sky have asked us to keep hold of the set until they know whether they've recommissioned or not. So um, it's quite nice because then we get the heads up quite early on if mm-hmm. they're coming back or not. Um, and we're about to go through to an environment that was created for another long-running show we have here called Trolleyed for Sky One. Um, a company called Rough Cut TV make it for Sky, and they initially came here to do Series One. Um, and were then recommissioned to do series two and three, which meant they were going to be here for a year. And we didn't want to tie up all the production offices with them because it meant we couldn't get other teams in. So our one legacy from Casualty is all the porter cabins Mm. you see in front of you, which were their environment when they were down in St. Phillips. Uh, And we've we've set up costume and makeup rooms, dressing rooms, edit suites. Um, You can see the marquee down here, which is where they eat when they're in production. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because I unwittingly was just thinking to myself, it's got a real feel about it, is the old casualty yeah. warehouse. <laughs> and it is the blue porter cabins. Anyone who's ever done a day's extra work will instantly recognise them, yes. won't they? Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I worked on casualty on and off for years. And it, it is that love. There is something about, something so familiar about it. Um, and I think we're all probably a little bit attached to the blue mm. porter cabins, and here they are. So they have, they have lived on in Bristol, which is a lovely A little season. bit's left. <laughs> Still is um, rough-cut trolleyed world. It's very, very empty at the moment because they're, uh, they're transmitting at the moment, and we're going to hear within the next week whether they're coming back for series four and five, which would be wonderful. Um, to our right is another huge warehouse. We can just have a quick... Look in. This is um, where they have their what we call satellite sets, so sets that they don't use all the time but need to have uh, on hand. And we've got their um, canteen, uh, which we can go on to. If you're just a bit careful about your footing, there's no lighting on, on the set itself. Um, and we've got a supermarket manager's set, Gavin's office, and um, the locker room. Which is now, this is fabulous. I love moments like this. One minute you're in a warehouse, and the next minute you are literally standing in a canteen. It's amazing. Canteen. And maybe what we could do, maybe this could be our canteen for the site when they go. Um, but outside the set are literally, they're called translites, which are basically enormous photographs. And they actually went up... Um, somewhere on site here and took the photographs so you've got the views of Dundry so it looks a lot more believable Um, and they're just then blown up and put onto cloths rather than painting it you basically just have a photograph out of the set window It's funny actually because this morning I was only looking out onto the view of Dundry (laughs) and on a at the beginning of harvest it has that wonderful glare about Mm. it and that's exactly the view I was looking at it's just beautiful Yeah it works really well and for the set you know obviously going into a real canteen would just they did it for the first series and it they had to film at weekends they had to film on bank holidays you know it at least this now gives them the luxury of being able to use the set whenever they want to completely under their control um and you know you do have to they do have to think about the scheduling you know jane horrocks is a busy lady if she's only contracted for a certain amount of time you've got to make sure that you achieve her scenes as and when you can she may refuse to work at weekends you know you never know what other commitments artists have so it is much better if they can create everything than they know that it's all here at their disposal and, and they have complete you know complete control as i said we have these buildings are enormous and they're 50 or 60 years old and consequently need quite a lot of maintenance 
see you can hear some walking on the roof we've got some roof works happening to make sure that rough cut are dry if they come back that would be a lot of buckets wouldn't it (laughs) and there have been moments where you know it's rained very heavily and our first thought is not oh my god it's raining it's oh my god what's getting wet you know it's awful this is a supporting artist room when for when that's all full and um there's a huge container here which is where most well i'd say about a sixth of all the dressing that goes onto supermarket shelves is in there just uh-huh. because when they're not here for months and months and months we have to make sure that we don't have any rat infestations with dry food and all that sort of thing so we've got to be very careful about health and safety on the site all the time and you're walking towards the back end (laughs) of a supermarket that is exactly (laughs) what it is i can see lots of milk bottles and uh refrigerators and everything else that you would pretty much accept i'm guessing all from the set of trolley again yeah absolutely so we're on we're on the set um there is a a back entrance into it which comes obviously from dressing rooms and costume and makeup um and it is com- semi well semi dressed obviously all the packaging you see all the sort of ice cream chiller cabinets and fish finger boxes are all empty they're the real thing but they're all empty and there's fake meat in the it's so authentic <laughs> yeah it is it's a, you know it's a great set they've basically just used the walls of the warehouse as a supermarket and then brought in all the shop fittings all the tills work um you know when they're in production everything's wired up and it's all powered so that all that all works and then they open the doors that look out onto the car park so they have a free car park every time they film outside so it looks like the main entrance to the supermarket oh yeah. you could have a lovely time playing shops couldn't you <laughs> <laughs> i know i think oh. it is one of those it's amazing how much time it takes to get it ready I mean, if they come back they'll come back in january february it takes them a good month just to get everything back on the shelves get it all cleaned and ready to go again you can see areas of the floor where you know it's just been worn out really and the paint needs replacing and um, it, I always feel it looks a little bit sad. It's much better when the lights are on and everybody's in here and it's really bustly. But um, it is a really impressive set. I mean, they've done fantastically. Um, you know, for Bristol, it is the impact of filming and, and what it does to the wider economy. Um, you know, when they're here and they're filming on the f- fish and meat counters, they get fresh fish mm-hmm. and fresh meat. And that's all sourced locally. The bread counter is always is dressed every week by a, ba- a local bakery. So they come in every week and put all the fresh bread out and, you know, all the cakes and buns and all that sort of thing. All the fresh fruit and veg is bought from the veg market, the Bristol fruit market. You know, it's so the economy, the local economy is really benefiting. Then obviously you have crew who live locally or are staying locally, the cars to put up in local hotels, the taxis that bring them to and from work, you know, all that those wider knock-on effects is you know it's massive really and, I, and that really shouldn't be underestimated even for something like trolley which um just stays put in one building it's still contributing an awful lot to to the bristol economy it's amazing actually because you forget so many parts of that don't you sort of remember costumes and taxi drivers mm. but you don't think about the set dressing and like you say the buns and the fresh bread and so mm. on and so on mm. and it's great to know that bristol is getting something back yeah and you know, Bristol has got this fantastic legacy of amazing crew. You know, when when BBC What Ladies Road was still producing drama, they were producing the most amazing stuff. And those teams, certainly art departments and prop teams, have stayed put in the city and still work here. 
and that talent is being used you know on other shows we've retained the talent we've managed to keep getting productions into Bristol um, I, I just don't think Bristol shouts enough about it but then that's part of Bristol's charm that it doesn't it's not a shouty city mm. you know it's um it's just a quietly getting on with it and fairly laid-back city and that really beguiles a lot of producers from London, two producers from London actually, that I've worked with over all the years that I've worked in television, have now moved to Bristol because they've just been completely seduced by the way of life and what a wonderful city it is, you know, and it has this great legacy of being able to produce really good television and, you know, we should all be really proud of that. So do you think we can call this Bristol's Pinewood Studios? I'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think... I mean, you know, everybody thinks that Pinewood is the most glamorous place in the world. Pinewood is you know, pretty much the same. In fact, I took two or three people from uh, Bristol City Council who um, have been on quite a steep learning curve with this project. You know, people who normally just work on property projects. This is a very different use of property for them. And they were amazed at actually how similar Pinewood felt. Yes, it was bigger, and yes, it's probably a bit more glamorous, and you've got the 007 stage, and um, you've got a lot more busyness there. But... In essence, it's a group of old buildings that are big, big boxes um, with lots of little businesses clustered around it. And that we're not a million miles away from that. Um, we just haven't got the name. And it would be lovely to push the site on in terms of improvements, the soundproofing and the column removal and getting a canteen. You know, that, that sort of thing would really help us. Um, but there's no mystery to studios. They are big boxes that need filling <laughs> and whether it's Pinewood or whether it's you know the bottle yard it, it's the same principle and you've got the green screen haven't you was that in tank two I saw? yes we saw yes we've got a huge green screen um that was put up for this feature that was in last year Mariah Mundy in the Midas box they've used a lot of CGI in that computer generated imagery and they built um a beautiful hotel set in there and needed it to match the location, which I think was up in Scotland. Um, so that was why the green screen went in, and we've just kept it. The sadness with the green screen is that because of the columns, you can only use it from certain, you, know, you can use a certain amount of it, you can't use the whole thing. So again, it's, it's getting more and more important that those columns are taken out, so we can really use the screen. And it must be one of the biggest screens in the country. Um, we just can only use parts of it at the moment, whereas it would be lovely to use all of it. Now, it is chilly, isn't it? And we have sort yes. of touched on the yes. um, heating. There's no escaping it, really. It's a big, wet, empty warehouse. It's going to be a lot of fan heaters to make this place warm, isn't it? Yes, this is a lot of fan heaters. And we found out, actually, as part of all the deal or no deal sort of preparation works, and we have to sort out drainage and sewerage and all the really glamorous things <laughs> that, uh, that you have to think about, that the, when they built this building... They built it to last, and it's almost bomb-proof, mm-hmm. and the concrete floor uh, is about half a metre thick, which wow. is completely over spec. I mean, nowadays, you would never need to do that, but when they built it 60 years ago, they really over it. And what happens is, obviously, that just retains the ground temperature. If it's cold outside, it just stays cold, and actually... When you work here, it's your feet that you have to keep warm. And then you'll find that you're not too bad. But if your feet get cold, which they do really quickly on the concrete, it's you know it's a nightmare. Mm. Deal or no deal, they're sorting heating out. Obviously, they need to because they're working um, all year round, um, especially through the winter. That's when most of their filming takes place. So they're sorting heating out. Um, and other production companies bring heating in if they feel they need it. Um, 
but yes it is an issue and again you know something that one day we will we will put in um what we try to do is when when tenants come in we give them a very good deal and also if they are making improvements to the site that are going to form a legacy that will you know be good for us to keep um, then that gets deducted from their rent. So we have this sort of ecology of money coming back into the site. It doesn't just disappear into the council mm. coffers. It comes back into the site to carry on improving it. So it's a constant schedule of, you know, what's our priority? What's our next priority? Is it heating or is it making sure that the roofs are watertight? And you, if you haven't got a watertight roof, then you're sunk, really, quite literally. Um, so, we, you know, the money at the moment is going into making sure that sections of roof are, are being waterproof. And this is council-owned? Yep. Wow. How fantastic to think we actually own this. It is. It's ours for keeps. We just need to really preserve it and look after it. We do, mm. and it has its challenges, and it isn't in... I think it's fair to say, and the council will be the first to say it, it it's not... It's not a project that's in the council's comfort zone. You know, it's um, it's quite, it's really unusual. There are only two other studios that have a similar setup. There's the Sharp Project in Manchester, which is owned by Manchester City Council, and there's Elstree Studios, which is owned by Hartsmere and Boreham Wood Council. Um, so, an Elstree was set up. You know, they they bought council bought it as studios. They were fully functioning. Um, so they haven't had to go along this enormous learning curve that Bristol has in terms of converting industrial buildings into studios. Um, and the Sharp Project in Manchester, you know, have been blessed with um, with money. They've, they've had money um, because they're in an area of deprivation and, you know, the North gets some intervention in terms of public money. So they've had money to invest. We've just had to keep going with what we're earning. Um, and, you know, the council have been terrific i can't i really have to say they've really stuck stuck their necks out to to get this out i know that you know george ferguson is a huge fan um but it is a it's not essential to council services and we have to keep fighting to you know to make sure that we keep it um and we have to keep explaining the bigger picture it's not just about money coming into old buildings it's about employment you know the ripple effect of money as I was saying earlier about the sort of economic impact that comes in profile tourism you know all those things it, it is media and film and television is a business like any other um, yes it may sound glamorous but it's still it's still really hard work and it is an industry just like making you know I don't know flange brackets mm. it's just the same principle um, on a bigger scale so you know, I hope, I really hope, I mean, who, who knows what the future will hold and with the council budget cuts and everything else, you know, we, we just don't know. But um, I would hope that the council would see that all those wider benefits are really, really crucial as well as the, you know, the really core services that they do, that they have to provide. So I think you can see why I was so incredibly excited by the end of the tour. What a brilliant thing to have in the city and great that Deal or No Deal is coming and making full use of the premises as well. I hope you enjoyed the guided tour and I'm quite sure you're going to be watching something in your television that's been filmed there very soon.